Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello and welcome to Robins on the Wire. I'm not Michelle Owen, as you may well have noticed. Um, I'm James Piercy, the sports editor of Bristol Live, and I'm standing in for Michelle, um, unfortunately, from your point of view. But um, you'll obviously probably know the reason why. Um, There'll be some news on that in the future. But I'm delighted, as usual, to be joined uh, by Gregor McGregor. How are you doing, Gregor? Hello. Um, And obviously, we're going to look back on uh, what's been, I guess, a down and up week for Bristol City. Um, A very sort of strange and difficult uh, weekend at Kenilworth Road, which we'll start with. Uh, And then obviously the euphoria of Ashton Gate on uh, Wednesday night, which kind of, I guess, in a nutshell, sort of... um, displays the uh, the variance of emotion that comes with following your football club. Um, but Gregor, I mean, we all know it was kind of rubbish at Luton, uh, for want of a better word. I mean, wh- where do you think it went wrong for the Robins? Yeah, I, first half, it was a pretty even game. Uh, this is the Luton game uh, we're talking about first. And yeah, second half, obviously City conceded three goals. And I think part of it was the timing of the goals. Uh, there was... There was the two goals over the space of like five, six minutes and that really seemed to knock the stuffing out of the Robins and I personally couldn't see or didn't believe that they were going to get back into the game after Luton had scored, certainly the second one. And yeah, they just didn't seem to create anything of real note after that. Although saying that, it was a pretty bright introduction to uh, city life for Rodri. He obviously went very close, hit the hit the post from a, a, a Nicholas Eliasson cross, and uh, had that goal disallowed. Which I've watched back a couple of times, but it's a little bit inconclusive because of the camera angle as to whether he was offside. Uh, there was a little flick before Josh Brownhill just before here before it. Um, but I think if you watch, I mean, from my angle, I'm watching it a couple of times. It might even have been that the defender, I think it was Sonny Bradley, maybe flicked it on instead of Brownhill. So, yeah, it it always comes down to these fine margins, doesn't it? And what I always mention every week in this podcast is the XG. I think if you looked at the XG from that game, actually that would tell a slightly different story because Bristol City did have actually some very good chances. And although they they didn't create um, many shooting chances that led to, to saves needing to be made they actually had three one-on-ones with the goalkeeper and they just weren't able to take any of those Tommy Rowe Casey Palmer and Andy Vyman when he when he lobbed the goalkeeper and, and it just went wide and on another day you'd probably hope to make a bit more of those chances the thing that sort of struck out I wasn't at the game but I've obviously watched it um watched the repeat um what struck out for me was that going into the game obviously they had that away record to kind of predict uh, to protect um, and, and and in many ways, I think everybody looked at Luton as very much a result to be had. I think we both, in our pre-match predictions, both getting it horribly wrong, but both put uh, City wins. But defensively, it looked problematic. 
um, the way Luton, and it wasn't so much, okay, yeah, conceded three goals. Yeah, that's, that's obviously straight away. You haven't defended particularly well, but it was the manner of the goals and this kind of like the organisation, the cohesion um, that, that, that City have had, especially since Ashley Williams has come into the team. Um, Luton just kind of found some kind of like kryptonite and really cut City open. Um, is, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, they, they did to an extent. Certainly, I mean, you look back at the chances and James Collins flicks that one past the, the far post and that's a really great chance in the sort of first 10 minutes. Then Izzy Brown, who I wrote about in midweek and I thought he was particularly excellent, obviously had a very quiet last season at Leeds United, but he, he seems to be gaining some of the form that we saw at Huddersfield this last year, um, sorry, this season with, with Lewin Town. And he was actually the man of the match for me and he went very close with that 25-yarder that, that smashed the post. Not too sure if, if, if Bentley got a touch to it, but uh, he, he really ran the show. And again, he had that other chance as well in the first half that he probably could have done better with, but Casey Palmer slid in at the last. And yeah, you're right, there, were, there was several really good chances, and, and that's not even mentioning, obviously, the three goals that they scored. So I don't know if, if Harry um, Cornick's... Um, goal was actually onside again it yeah because that was the one I was thinking because there hasn't been and we're talking about this obviously with the benefit of hindsight and also taking into context Charlton which get the goal um, Macaulay Bond scored as well all of a sudden there's an offside trap that's being sprung um, and it was there on Saturday and I'm jumping into the future but we're gonna have to do this for benefit of context it was also there on Wednesday night now for me when I look at City I do think they're a little bit slow at the back and having that high defensive line is a potential a risk. Yeah. It is a potential risk. I don't know, is Taylor Moore probably the quickest? He's probably the quickest, possibly. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being a bit ageist by saying that. But, I mean, certainly not Ashley Williams. Mm. So, I don't know. It, 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 I'm sure it's something Lee Johnson's, well, obviously he's going to be aware of. Um, but it was just, a, just an interesting sort mm. of aspect, especially a team like Luton who hadn't been playing particularly well. Not You're talking about chances from City's point of view. Obviously, Luton, I think they're in the bottom five in terms of chances created at home. And, 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 and they, they potentially may have... Um, you know, identified the fact that, that with City's line, there is space in behind and, and they, have, they have athletes um, up front. With it's an interesting question that I think you've posed there. Who's the quickest at the back line at Bristol City? I, it's a, I always think it's not, a, it's not a 100 metre sprint you want to watch. Yeah, no, well, this is part of it. There's different kinds of pace, isn't there? You've got your, your acceleration over like the first 10, 20 metres, like yeah. Eden Hazard is a king of. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your, your longer distances. I actually think Nathan Baker over the slightly Because he's got distance, a stride. Yeah, he, he's very, very quick. And I would imagine he's slightly quicker yeah, over the middle distance than, than maybe Taylor Moore. But yeah, maybe Taylor Moore over the shorter distances. And I, I think actually Williams isn't too, too bad over the middle. Of, he runs with his mind. Ashley Williams. Yeah. He doesn't need to run, he just uses his mind to cover the ground. Cause Jedi, they, Jedi mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, on Ashley Williams, I think the thing with him, and again, we're, we're jumping ahead to the Charlton game, was when he was trying to track Jonathan Lecco around last night, and Lecco was, was um, yeah, it was like I, I wrote in my match report, like a, a reptile scooting around the rocks. And uh, yeah, Ashley Williams trying to turn and keep up with him was. Not a, not a good sight, but yeah, we're jumping ahead again. In terms of, yeah, the weekend, last weekend, then, yeah, definitely defensive deficiencies and, and plenty of chances uh, for Luton. 
and to a degree, I do feel that that result has been coming because they haven't, Bristol City haven't been too convincing. Well, yeah, haven't really dominant, been dominant. Is that the word? Maybe ha- haven't really been convincing at home or away, um, and certainly they were due an away defeat. It's been a magnificent run, hasn't it? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Without question. So yeah, it was probably always going to come at some point, and yeah. Maybe um, no surprise that it was straight after the international break. Yeah, and as um, Lee Johnson mentioned on uh, yeah. Wednesday night, obviously with the travel, some yeah. of the players taking to go. Obviously, he, I know Bailey Wright didn't play, but he had a long way to come. Obviously, Fam yeah. had a long way to come. Lee Johnson, actually, to be fair to him, when certainly in the written media press conference, didn't make a big deal of this. And I actually prompted him with the question and said, was there anything to that? And I think it's actually only three players who were affected by international travels in the end. Uh, Hanno and Masengo, obviously, uh, Fam, and it would be the third. Bailey Wright. Yeah, yeah. Although he didn't start, Pedro. Oh, of the eleven, no, Pereira. Yeah, yeah. I think there was only one other star. Um, we'll come back to this, but yeah. So arguably, is that enough to affect a team? And certainly, Hanno and Masengo hasn't been himself. No, no, no. He needs he needs a break. I think everybody is agree. I mean, I was looking at his numbers. He he paid he so last season for Monaco, his first professional season of his life, he played about two hundred minutes across the course of the season. Um, without a single start, I think that's right. And already he's knocking, he's he's got a thousand for Bristol City already. He's 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 times his career minutes um, five times over, um, and it's every single game um, ninety minutes pretty much, with the exception of Charlton. It's just going to happen. Um, I think you know, speaking to people in France around the time of the move, everybody was kind of adamant that, well, you know, you're not going to see much of him for two to three months, not because of a quality thing, but just that engine and the regularity of championship football is going to take him some time to adapt. And he hasn't really had any time to adapt, which is, you know, obviously speaks to volumes of his quality and his just professionalism and his ability and all that. But it's caught up with him. Um, Thankfully, well, thankfully or maybe not thankfully, because we don't really know, because the sort of the ongoing Adam Nadge mm. injury saga has entered chapter ninety six, mm. and his extra bone in his foot. Yeah. Um, but it would be beneficial. I mean, it's a shame as well with Jada Silva because obviously Tommy Rowe could you could step in there for one game, and you do wonder, um, you know, is, you know what are the options there in centre midfield are there any options for them? Do you think? Yeah, I, I thought Casey Palmer did really well last night, actually, in, in that central midfield position. Obviously, Lee Johnson had to go for it, but um, but I think he showed that he's a viable attacking option there. Certainly for maybe just a couple of games. Corey Smith starts full training on the grass on from Monday. But that's still so, uh, three to four weeks away, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Is Masengo going to be... I'm not going to say he's going to be a bad thing, but you know, you, you've got to think as well of the, over the course of the season... You don't want to be burning the kid out now no, when you're going to need him in April. Um, you know, Lee Johnson, of course, knows this, um, but there aren't great options. I mean, you hint on the diamond there, and we'll talk about that in a minute about Charlton. Maybe that's the way to go. Maybe, maybe against Wigan, they will think about a midfield diamond to play Brownhill as the deeper player, O'Dowda and uh, Palmer alongside yeah. him. We're, let's discuss that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit. We're jumping ahead. We're jumping ahead because, to be honest, I don't really want to talk about this, but we 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 kind of can't ignore it because it's what everyone's been speaking about um, for 
you know a, a number of reasons um but obviously the 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 alleged incidents the alleged chanting um at Kenilworth Road on Saturday um it sort of started filtering through uh, mainly via social media um for those obviously who weren't at the game um various um, allegations about what was said um, you know we've obviously followed the story up there's been investigations had by Bristol City and Luton the police are acting in an advisory role there have been complaints made to Bedfordshire Police um, no obvious um, arrests or anything yet but um, given the current climate well not even given the current climate it's completely irrelevant it shouldn't be happening anyway but it's 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 a worrying sort of I'm hastened to use a trend, but it's just a worrying incident amid kind of everything going on uh, with England, um, various players being abused on social media. And you just kind of would like to think that Bristol City are a bit better than that. Um, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to sort of fall on any side of the argument, but it's obviously quite an unsavoury incident. Um, I wasn't at the game. I've spoken to a ton of people who were at the game. Um, you were, Gregor. Um, what, did you did you hear anything? I did I didn't hear anything from the Bristol City fans. We're located among the Luton Town fans, obviously, in the centre of the pitch there. And I have to say, I think it's been a little bit underreported, but Luton Town fans were, were singing some pretty horrible stuff as well. And so that needs to be um, included in, on the, in the reports and everything. I'm sure it will be. But yeah, there's obviously no um, condoning of, of what has happened if it's proven that... That from the away fans there has, has been anything improper sung and yeah just on the clubs the way they've dealt with it I think the club should be applauded really certainly John Lansdowne because he was very vocal straight away on on social media replying to fans saying yeah that basically this this isn't on that the club would be looking into it and yeah that, that's what's happened there's as you say an investigation going on be interesting to see what the club um, does be, and, and what evidence they've got because they always have that camera don't they plonked in front of the uh, away fans if for, for anyone who follows their social media twitter feed then you'll have seen that that got moved recently uh, against Brentford so yeah they should have some good footage from it and I guess we'll we'll see what happens from here on in yeah it's, it's you know it's an ongoing um, issue um, and there's, there's there's obviously much more to come, come and hopefully it's an isolated incident um, in terms of what may or may not happen, um, but all very unsavoury. And um, I believe we have uh, Lee Johnson's reaction um, to the Luton defeat coming up. What's your assessment of that? Um, I thought we got beat because of Luton's enthusiasm and too many cheap giveaways from our, from our boys, like in forward areas. Um, we've got good possession. Um, good runners, you know, and uh, like lackadaisical attitude to release your man, if you like, release the ball to your man. And I can count in my head 50 times where we turn the ball over in good areas. And I think, like, against a side that are as energetic and as bright as Luton are, um, naturally they'll punish you. And they punished us and they fully deserved their win today. First half seemed pretty even, but obviously second half they scored three goals. And yeah. Would you put that down to? Um, even the first half, I thought it was like a bit too open, probably for both sides. You know, we we had some good chances and and good couple of times we could have just left it over the keeper and lobbed him where he was out. Uh, I thought Vyman should have squared it and sort of come off his heel after Rowe's shot. And, and Casey Palmer's had 
probably six scenarios where, do you know what I mean, play of Casey's quality, you expect him to execute something. Um, so at half time, um, we wasn't particularly happy with our defensive work, but, but quite happy with the counter attack and, and the work that we've done in attacking areas. Second half, I just don't think we've we done the basics well enough. It's just as simple as that, really. I don't think they, we didn't try. I don't think we got beat up. I don't think we got bullied. I just think that, that we didn't execute enough of our, of our patterns of play. And that came down to, to poor individuals' um, quality on the day. Two goals, first two goals are a good example. We lose the ball high up the pitch. It happens. Um, and obviously we've got eight or nine men behind that to defend it but, but it was so easy to, to give the ball to one of our men that uh, we've got runners and the red arrows ahead of them and then all of a sudden now you're running 50, 60 yards back towards going down. International rate of play department, Um Well I'd never want to use that as an excuse but like, I suppose the natural anxiety if you like from a coach is, is when and I think they had three internationals away. I think we had nine, didn't we? Um, so, like, sometimes you think the cohesion, the, like, the, a lot of travelling, and, and I'm sure it plays a bit of a part, but um, I don't think that played a bit of a part in us losing the game today. I honestly don't. Is the first away defeat of the season only for the club? What kind of message have you given to the players afterwards? I mean, still unbeat about it in a way? Of um, bounce back and, and have a standard that we didn't show today. Uh, Got, got a bit. Um, I went into sort of military talk. Really, I, I believe that sort of discipline and standards starts with your first action of the day. So I was talking to them, believe it or not, about making their bed in the morning and the standard of making your bed and the discipline, thoughts and actions that follow um, making your bed in the morning. And I, and I wonder how many of them actually make their bed <laughs> or did this morning. Um, and 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 I know that seems a little bit deep, but the point is that actually the hardest bit to do is the final bit so whether you've got hold of the ball wriggled and going to lay it off that's where the discipline comes in um, the, ac the action of the core that you do the work that you do on the training ground the sleep the nutrition um, both in the execution of the final action and the transition and I thought that the second half we didn't execute anywhere near enough and we lost the day in transition to uh, to an enthusiastic new inside. Is it always the plan to play Rodrigo or just needs must given the last half now? Uh, listen, we weren't doing enough. <coughs> I mean, it was like, it's a little bit of uh, a risky one, but I thought he'd done well. I thought he looked bright. He was nearly on the end of a couple of things. He had a couple of shots, a couple of bits of interplay. He made a couple of fouls that uh, let him off the hook a little bit, which is not ideal. Um, but. For, for a first 20 minute cameo and a side that's a good side that's not playing well I thought he'd done well Okay, good So just one last one Adam Nagy, how far away is he? Not close no, Very, very frustrating I think he's had an injection today that puts him out for at least 10 days of doing nothing He's a steroid so he's not allowed to That wasn't done with Hungary again though, was it? I don't know, mate I don't know. He went. He come back worse than he went. So whether or not, I don't know what he's done, what he hasn't done. Uh, yeah, maybe a few. We'll see you I don't want to say too much. Yeah.
So that was Lee Johnson um, reflecting on a pretty miserable afternoon um, to everybody concerned. Um, but we, we probably should mention, actually, if we haven't mentioned so far, obviously, off the back of that breaking news, only today at the time of recording, he's been charged yes, by the FA. Just to, just to just hammer that nail in and like make um, Luton... Somebody made a really good point to me saying that Lee Johnson has often said how he gets lots of lots of letters from the FA across the season from officials apologising for their bad decisions in games. Surely, in mitigation, he should just turn up at an FA hearing, slap those letters on the table and say, have a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, we should probably just stop swearing at <laughs> officials, maybe. That yeah, might be I'd, the best yeah. thing. I mean, it's easy for I'd, us, I'd, I'd, for, yeah, for, okay. for me to say in a press box. Those methods. Um, but, but he didn't have much... Well, actually, he did have a bit of swearing to do, maybe, given fans' red card. But, Charlton, Wednesday night, under the lights for the first time this season at Ashton Gate. Everyone... I, I think, you know, there was a there was definite air of excitement about the occasion. Um, you know, it was a good crowd and a chance to kind of move on quickly from Luton, which is the great thing about the Championship. You know, you can have a duff result and then quickly get back in the swing of things. As it proved, um, just give us a quick synopsis. Um, I know everybody's seen everything, but kind of what was what, what was your take of the game? Because it was in a way, given how it finished, and I know there was there were incidents and there were things happening in the first half. But kind of the fireworks at the end, there wasn't quite the evidence that that was going to happen. Maybe in the first period, or was there? There was some hints. There were some good chances in that first half. I mean, Andy Weiman's header, he's got to do better with that. Pedro Pereira's cross, bang on the money. Fantastic move by Bristol City there. And yeah, a couple of maybe little half chances, people getting in the right areas. So I actually thought there was, I think I've said this to you earlier, that I always thought there was going to be some goals in this game. Uh, And I have to admit, for a long while, I could see those goals going to Charlton. So I wasn't surprised. Right. What, what, would, Charlton, what because, would Charlton do in that? Because they weren't in the game and they didn't oh, know really? the story. Oh, so just, just, just <laughs> because, the law of football soft. No, 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 because this goes back to last season. If you've been watching Bristol City for a while, then you know that their waveform has been, has been really good for a while now. And it's, it's at Ashton Gate where they've not quite been doing the business. And it's, it's definitely against those sides that maybe haven't got the quality, but have got the spirit. And it's the likes of Wigan, Millwall, these teams who came last season, grabbed points when, when maybe, you, well, you'd certainly be expecting Bristol City to, to do better. And I thought that was going to be the case last night. I could see Charlton grinding out a, a, a draw, maybe nicking a, a win. And uh, yeah, I, I, once they scored, I thought it might be a, a score draw. And it, it was very close to being that, apart from uh, Brownie's and Casey Palmer's brilliance at the end. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec. I mean, as I mentioned before with the Luton, the, the Charlton goal, um, Dan Bentley's first mistake of the season? First major mistake? Well, it was obviously his first major mistake, but it was... He was it a major mistake? I, I know well, he's rushed out of his goal yeah, and he's missed yeah. the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not being too... I don't want to sound too harsh because he's been absolutely fantastic. So I don't want... And he's, a, you know, he's, a, he's clearly an, an, an elite-level championship goalkeeper and Bristol City have done a fantastic piece of business. But it was a bit of an error. It was, yeah. Um, I, you I know, a misjudgment. I, but yeah. he's been exposed by his defence yeah. because they've stepped up. Again, Lewin. And he's, as, 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 as we know, one of the reasons why he was recruited um, was because of his ability to leave his line. Sweet and I think if you check your statistics, Gregor, 
I think there's only one goalkeeper in the championship who's left their line successfully more times this season right. to claim the ball with their hands or their feet than Dan Bentley. But he was a bit late to this one and Macaulay Bonds skinned him, for want of a better word. And then, um, well, not even want of a better word, he has completely skinned him yeah. and, and, and put it in. Um, Le- Lee Johnson said after the game that he absolutely wanted him to carry on doing that and that's why he was brought in, he said, uh, to do those sweeper-keeper yeah. movements. I Yeah, I agree. Maybe it was a slight error, but I don't think it's a I massive... I don't want to hammer him for it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying it wasn't I don't, Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a massive error for me um, because... If he doesn't come out, then Bond is basically in on goal anyway. And mm. Yeah, he's probably got a shot either side of him. Or, so It's a wide so, angle, though. It's quite a wide angle. And he's been pretty good one-on-one saves. One-on-one saves going in Going back season. to what we were saying before for the Luton game, there's not a lot of pace in that. No, I mean, it, it, so potentially, I, I potentially well, maybe, maybe he's kind of subconsciously thought about the Luton game and thought, well, you know, maybe I do need to make more of a front foot decision here rather than wait for the... Rather because yeah. the second Luton goal was obviously similar-ish. Right He's gone down the right. left channel again, and Bonds down the left channel again, um, as in the the opposition team's left channel. Um, but anyway, we'll move on from that because what what was what was important was the way City reacted. Um, because when you when you think about the Luton game and you think about well, maybe confidence levels took a bit of a hit there, um, you know the kind of the uncertainty comes in in terms of the, the you know if you want the ball what you're going to do with the ball, and also the fact that well he does it all the time to be fair, but when it, you know the, there aren't many coaches who literally put a hand up and say right I've, this isn't working I've got it wrong let's do something different, and Lee Johnson does it time and time again. The Eliasson substitution, which I know Charlton scored fairly, well, I think it was nine minutes, 11, yeah. 10 minutes just after that. Pretty straight after, yeah. Pretty straight after, but the system change, um, the obvious reaction to the Eliasson, what was your reaction to the Eliasson substitution? Yeah, the same as everybody else, to be honest, because he, he slung over seven crosses in the first half. Only one of them went to a, a teammate, but it's a constant supply of chances, really, and all it took was someone getting across their marker. I think... The bigger question, though, is I can understand taking off Eliasson, but why then bring on Farmer Jeju, who Lee has admitted before himself, has said several times that he believes Pham is, is one of the best in the championship at get, um, getting across his marker and, yeah, deflecting Attacking crosses, crosses in. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, people have pointed out that it was only against Reading that the, the two of them combined for a goal, but... I think that's just a, qu- a quirk, really. So, yeah, I, I just think the two of them are really made together. To be, f- um, to be fair to Lee Johnson, he explained after the game that he believes City have got quality across the board and and all across them... across the board. Yeah, yeah very good. Uh, and and maybe there is something to that. They've got the highest um, cross accuracy of all the teams in the championship. And if you think obviously about Jack Hunt, he wasn't obviously playing last night, but um, and Callum O'Dowder, they've got guys there who can cross it as well. And you're right, yeah, it was about tactics. And ultimately, Lee Johnson's been proven right there. And he said in his post-match press conference that supporters just need to trust him a little bit on things like that. And he, he cited back in 2017 when he made, and a lot of fans will remember this, he was under the cosh at the time, needing a win, and he made a triple substitution, taking off Lee Tomlin, who was very good at the time, Tammy Abraham and Mark Little, and he brought on Milan Jurich, uh, Matty Taylor and Jamie Patterson. And, uh, yeah, those three did the business. I think uh, Jurich got the winner that day. So, yeah, 1-0 to the, to the head coach there, unfortunately. Well, the thing is, the, the, the thing is, 
like the club, sorry, the club. Well, Mark Ashton says it as well. He just trust us when it comes to transfers. Doesn't stop people still complaining when players are sold. Mm-hmm. Trust us when it comes to substitutions. Still doesn't stop. It's gonna. I mean, it's, it's, gonna, happen, it's yeah. gonna happen, isn't yeah. it? Um, but obviously, credit. We 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 touched on the system change whereby they matched up Charlton in terms of a midfield diamond. Um, I don't think we've seen the midfield diamond this season yet, have we? I don't think they've obviously played a four, but in terms of that sort of tight central. Mm. Um, Quartet, um, and actually O'Dowd is really, really important in that. In terms of his left-footedness, he's a, he, he's he's actually you know quite a good central player now, having migrated in from being as much of a winger as what you'd say Eliasson is. So I think that's a sort of a little under underrated subplot of Callum yeah. O'Dowd's development yeah, that he can absolutely. now play in a central role, and he and he, and, he, and he's, he's he's quite a tenacious defensive defensive player. There's some good sort of sort of skirmishes he had with the Charlton midfielders. So I, I do wonder, and to, to repeat a point or expand on a repeated point, I do wonder when they play Wigan, and we, you know, I guess you're kind of expecting that Wigan are going to similar-ish. Paul Cook's obviously same manager, um, very good manager as well, but they're going to look to frustrate, you know, suffocate in the field, stop the flow of possession. You do wonder if Johnson may, may, may try may try and, and, and go with a diamond, sort of almost start as they finished. Um, if they do do that, and let's hypothetical, what, who, what would the four be? Um, probably is it Masengo? I mean, I guess it is, is it Masengo? Well, yeah, he just looks a little bit out of sorts, unfortunately. And I always think that when players get tired, it has a knock-on effect that their passing rate, um, accuracy rate just drops a little bit. So, yeah, I, I'd be inclined to give him a bit of a rest. Sort of t- touching on that, in the, I think Josh Brownhill is he's, he's kind of wasted at times. I feel playing that cent- that defensive midfield role. He was uh, playing a holding midfield role last night, and both Ashley Williams um, told us after the game, and also Lee Johnson, that they were surprised to see Brownie breaking forwards like that. But obviously, if you've been watching Bristol City for a while, you you know he's got that in his locker, and I just wonder. I just wonder. I'd be inclined to give Brownie a, a chance at some point of playing that sort of number 10 position. Well, he can do that. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Just because he's probably one of City's best finishers um, around the edge of the box. and uh, yeah, There's like I, a Lampardness there. Yeah, yeah there? absolutely. He's, he's got the all-round game. that he, he can score. He can score those vital goals. He can also create. He's, his numbers are good. I think he got, what, five or six goals last season. He's up to... Two at the moment, but several. I think assists. he wants eight to ten. So, his target. so yeah. The the key for him because he says himself, he said several times. He if he if he could pick his position, he would be playing as a ten. But it, in many ways, his problem is because he's such a good all round player, and because his his energy, his kind of dedication in terms of like pressing, tracking, tackling, all these kind of things. It just means, well, stick Brownie in the kind of the, the, the holding box-to-box role mm. because he can do that so well while slightly taking away for the 10. The issue is we've got, as we've sort of alluded to when I said about regarding Masengo, there isn't a great deal in terms of numbers. And I don't think he can do that until Adam Nash comes back. Because where's the protection? Yeah, no, I... Or Jane De Silva agree. comes back and Tommy Rowe can play there. Just, I was thinking about this the other day. I wonder if it would be worth throwing in, and it won't happen because it's too much of a jump, but I'd be looking if I was Lee Johnson, if you 
trying to improvise, someone like Zach Viner has got all the attributes. In fact, I think he's scored. Playing, scored, playing, scored on the weekend. Yeah, and he's playing. Absolute dinger as well. He's playing defensive midfield for Aberdeen right now, actually. And I'd be inclined to have a little look at him. Um, and we've seen it in the past where centre-backs have been pushed into those positions. If they've got the right attributes, then maybe they can fill in. We're not talking about for the rest of the season, unless things turned out, um, turn out really well. It's, it's maybe just for a few games until Adam Nadj gets back. And maybe just to say on Adam, obviously, yeah, we touched on it before. He's got this problem with his ankle slash foot. Lee Johnson um, explained he's got an extra bone in his foot. And uh, that's been a complication, but we are expecting him back soon. He's had this steroid injection, which is going to rule him out for 10 days. That was 10 days for, from, from before the, Luton. Yeah, yeah. From, from, that was from the Sunday after Luton. So he's probably not going to be back, unfortunately, for uh, the next couple of games. But maybe, I guess, around the international break <laughs> again. But uh, let's, let's not... Yeah, let's not... Let's yeah, not yeah, that's terrible timing. That terrible timing, that is. <laughs> yeah. um, just fine, because we, we, ha- we obviously have to talk about the winning goal. Well, actually, should we say about Fam's red card? Because, yes. um, I yeah, mean, yeah. for me, it's probably a red. Because you ha- if you kick a player 17 times, <laughs> you're going to get cut. No, but I think the third one's the killer one. I think he could <laughs> probably get away with two. But the, re- the ref... You know, it wasn't the ref, was it? It was the fourth official who, yeah. who ultimately declared it. But... I think I think if you if you kick if you kick a player the same time in the same place three times you're asking for trouble um, and there and, and and it's clear when you're watching him the kind of the levels of anger are going up every time he sort of like and I just yeah I think I think I um, I, I disagree I thought it, oh, okay. I thought it, I thought it was just a yellow for me I thought the ball was there to be won and yeah I've watched it back a couple of times and I th- I just don't think there's any malice. He's, he's just going for the ball, and so I, I don't see it as excessively. Um, the ball is in the football, but, yeah. Yeah, the, the football. He just right. happens to be going through okay. the player's back. Yeah. yeah um, in, I was just thinking, it's actually in a similar area of the field with a Jake Bidwell red for Swansea, wasn't yeah. it? That, yeah, that, yeah. So that area of the pitch is an absolute hotspot <laughs> for red cards. So keep an eye on that one. Um, and we, of course, have got to talk about um, uh, the goal, the ball. You probably, I mean, I hate these, I hate it when people say this, so I'm going to try and say it a different way, but there's not going to be many better goals scored than in, in terms of combination play. Casey Palmer, first time. I know there, there's an element of sort of, you know, it's a little bit speculative in terms of the pass, but the weight is just absolutely sensational. Straight away, yeah, that's you know, ex- on his instep, yeah. little bit of curl, nice bit of dip. Exquisite, exquisite pass. So, you know what, actually, Brownie's finish, right? I don't think he actually makes the right decision there. And obviously... Because he's gone stupid. near post. Yeah, no, 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 it could be... What would you have done? It could, it could be... Well, it's obviously the right thing because he's scored. But, and maybe he's caught the keeper unawares a little bit. And near post is always a good option. Um, but he takes it on his wrong foot. And I just think he's got the time to get onto a stronger foot. Um, so I would have, but it's but yeah. all in one movement. It looks better. Than yeah. It. Oh, yeah. It does. Don't get me wrong. It's a it's a beautiful goal. It's yeah. a great goal. But if he hadn't scored it, I'd have been. So really you're taking a touch. So you're taking a touch, waiting for the keeper to come, dummy in the keeper, I'm, lifting it over him, then dribbling it onto I'm the line. Taking, and... taking the touch like he does, and then manoeuvring yourself onto the right foot, which he's got the time to do. He hits it early on the left foot volley near post that probably yeah probably yeah. catches the keeper unawares a little bit and I'm shinning the first touch <laughs> just about getting it and might win a corner that's probably about as good as I'm going to get but in terms of in, in terms of kind of like 
moments aesthetics. at Ashton. Well, aesthetics is absolutely fantastic, but like moments at Ashton Gate over the last twelve months, there hasn't it's, been. It's got to be up there. Yeah. Um, well, we've been discussing this on social media today with some fans, and that's got to be one of the latest ever winning goals, uh, certainly for City at Ashton Gate. I mean, I've put it out there. When have we seen a later goal? And I believe the answer so far is a game in the 90s when a player broke his leg and the ambulance had to be called, brought onto the pitch and there was 22 minutes of injury time. We, we can't quite remember the game just yet, but I'm, I'm sure we'll dig that out. And, but Please, please, please send yeah, your answers in on a postcard. In terms of, one. yeah, late goals, then Corey Smith against Manchester United was yeah. the 93rd minute. Bobby Reid is the one that equals it, actually. That's the, uh, the only other one I can find, which was... In the 98th minute, down at Brentford, if if you guys remember that from two seasons ago, the two-all draw there. I remember that one being really super late and almost the last kick of the game. I didn't realise it was as late as that, I have to admit. But, yeah. Just an underrated aspect, and it's actually nothing to do with the goal, but you know what? I'd put a massive smile on my face, was the way Rodri celebrated that goal. Because mm-hmm. he's literally been in the team a week, just over a week, a week and a day he's been with that team and you watch his his celebration, he's properly sprinting. I know he's part of the game. But is that because he's missed that sitter? Like about 20 minutes is the relief. Where somehow he can't get his foot in the right direction and diverts it back towards Deju. But he sprints right over. He's about the third or the fourth player to get there and he's absolutely loving it. And even to the point, the others have kind of peeled away and gone back to halfway and he stood there in in front of the stands giving it a full bellow. Um, I just thought that was a really, really nice sort of like underrated moment that kind of shows he's part of the team. Just quickly, actually, we'll just touch on him. Um, do you think he, do you think he, he, he's, he's, well, fam, we know Fam's going to be suspended unless they appeal and it's rescinded, which I, I think, probably, it, yeah, I, I I think that's probably a bit dodgy. So with Wigan coming on Sunday, who's going to play up top? Well, certainly Semenyo probably didn't look, um, didn't do himself many favours last night. He looked a little bit off the pace. And I just think he's got to be involved because he's the future of the club. But I just wonder, if it, is it not better to give him like 10 minutes at the end of games rather than... Rather than starting other, him, yeah, yeah. rather than starting it. But <laughs> I have called for him to be started. But I just think you have to be careful with the starts. Maybe it's the, the cup games here and there. And, and when you've got three games in a week, that's when he gets his chance rather than making him the main man and putting the pressure all on him at the moment. I guess because the way Lee Johnson uses his substitutes, a lot of managers use their substitutes almost as an afterthought, whereby to get someone on the field to rest legs, which, yeah, you, you can use substitutes this way, but Lee Johnson very much places emphasis on when I make a substitute, with a few exceptions, that person is going to have an impact on the game. And if you're kind of making it a charity, not a charity that's a bit strong, but like... You're only doing it to give him here and there. Then maybe starting him is the is the best method. But he's certainly not playing that well at the moment. No, he's not, unfortunately. But hopefully he'll get. But he is only young, obviously, and he'll improve. Oh yeah, without question, two, without question. Two points on the offensive positions, though. On Semenyo, maybe it's the physical presence, and I think you mentioned this to me this morning when uh, the Charlton player ran into him. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. He injured himself basically running into his bum. It was 
Sam Field. Sam Field. Oh yeah, yeah of course. Set, and it's, it a, it's about and Semenya actually goes up to him and apologises, but he didn't yeah. do anything. It just literally turns his back, yeah. just literally turns his back, protects the ball. Absolutely. And it just this brick wall that Sam Field runs into. That's what um, Semenya is bringing. Yeah, and that body strength is there. Yeah, I mean, he's there's no a, doubting. He's an app. He's, he's a huge a player every game. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah, he's a huge, huge talent. Um, and it will click. It will click. It's just how how it's how it's managed. So going back to my question. Yeah. Rodri on Sunday. Second point and this answers your question okay good what has Andy Weiman got on Lee Johnson because obviously he's never going to be chopped and he must he must know something about him and he, he, he's never I'll tell you he's what he's got he's, he's got he's, he's, pet, he's got the so. running he's got the running metrics down to it he just yeah, doesn't he stop there's a moment there was a moment was it the Brownhill goal no I think it was just before the Brownhill goal where there's like a counter attack and Weiman's on the halfway line He's done something. I think he's like been part of the move. It moves, and he's obviously out of position because he's playing slightly deeper because um, Rodri's on, and he just hammers it down there and gets into the penalty area. And he's probably run. I don't know the distance statistics, but there can't be many players who'd run yeah. more. Maybe the midfielders. And it is just constant. He is constantly on the move. His pressing of the opposition is absolutely fantastic, and he's just too important. In many ways, if you think about which player, kind of sums up. How Lee Johnson wants Bristol City to be, yes, Brownhill to an extent, but from 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 a kind of a raw attacking point of view, it has to be Andy Wyman. But he might only be scoring twelve goals a season though from a forward position, which is which playing to play, yeah, which which I guess is a problem, and and we're gonna literally every week there's probably gonna be some kind of conversation about strikers, and obviously as we get towards January we can start, and we're we're not gonna talk about Eddie and Ketia because we're gonna hold that back, but you know we could literally talk about that every week, um, but you still haven't answered my question: Is Rodri gonna start? Yes, Rodri's gonna start. So Rodri and Vyman up front. Rodri and Vyman up front. Yeah, Semenyo on the bench. Fam suspended. Is he suspended straight away yet? Or does I, it, yeah, 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 I think so. I think he will be, yeah. Yeah, three match ban, won't it? Okay, uh, well, just to, just to finish up, and thank, thanks very much for listening, um, we have um, Bristol City's silent leader, I think, um, Lee Johnson um, commented upon in terms of Ashley Williams's kind of presence on the field, um, and certainly he's been a, been a fantastic signing. Um, Thomas Callas on the way back, but I, I don't think there's any kind of moving Ashley Williams in defence um, at the moment. So um, thanks very much for listening. Here's some Ashley Williams. On the match winner tonight, Josh Brownhill, you obviously haven't been in the club for too long, but what have you made of him? He's obviously the on-field captain at times, isn't he? And it's a great finish tonight to uh, take that pass. I I think he's the life. He's the life of the team. Um, You know, and and he's got that kind of, from what I can see, it's a bit like if Brownie plays well, the team play well. And he's got that little bit of pressure, but that's what good players get, especially in there. Um, you know, and I don't know what he was doing that far forward today because he was meant to be in front of me, so I was fuming when he was in the box. But no, I think uh, the goal itself shows what quality he's got. You know, unbelievable touch and then calm composure to, to finish, especially late in the game. Um, but I think he's done brilliant, brilliant as a captain. Um, he's obviously young, you know, in terms of being a captain, and you know, I think he's got uh, you know a mature uh, character about him, and um, you know, I've really enjoyed playing with him. And I, as I say, I think he's he's the life of of this team, really. Yeah, he, he sets the music, doesn't he, in the dressing room as well? Uh, you, yeah. you don't have any complaints with that at all? No, I actually really good, really good yeah. DJ. Yeah, to be honest, uh, sometimes I've had to tell him to sort it out a little bit but no he's a, he's a good DJ on the whole and, and you've obviously played with some very high calibre players he's only 23, 24 do you think you could maybe play Premier League level at some point yeah I don't see why not um, obviously we're trying to get there first and foremost as a, as a club um, 
But in terms of an individual, he's, he, he doesn't lack anything really. You know, he's got a great engine. Obviously, the quality that he's got today, um, he's box to box. You know, he can dig in. He, we've seen some unbelievable, you know, tackling from him as well. So, um, you know, really good team player fills in gaps and you know helps people out when it's not really his responsibility. So he doesn't. I don't think he has any weaknesses that I can see at the minute. Just finally on yourself, how are you finding out at Bristol City? You've been here what, a couple of months now, and that and yeah. it's going ticking along pretty nicely, I would guess. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy. I didn't I didn't envision it to go as well for, for me personally. Um, you know, I've stayed in the team. Uh, and we've we've lost the one game, obviously. Um, but no, I've been happy with it, and I'm really enjoying the lads. As I said to you before, you know, when I first come, the lads are great. Um, really enjoying working with the manager. I'm learning loads off him, and um, I enjoy the city. And you know, for me, it couldn't have gone any better so far. Nice one. Cheers. Cheers. Good win. Robins on the wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor.